0: Hello, world. It is Monday, March 1st, finally in March. My name is Colin. And I'm Kenny. This is HNTLDR. Kenny, how's it going?
1: Oh, pretty great. Had a Had a really nice weekend. Went on a boat on a wow. lake, which was pretty fun. Any watched weekend the with movie. boats is a good weekend. Yeah. yeah, right? Watch the movie Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. It was a solid, solid time all around. How about yourself?
0: Oh, not bad at all. Uh, I watched the movie uh, Fantastic Four from 2005. For some reason, because I saw it on Disney Plus and was like, "haven't seen that since 2005." Guess I'll uh, watch it again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was bad. They didn't know how to make good superhero movies then. Interesting. So, wow. You know, now we know. Now, I guess yeah, we've learned since since then. Yep. And then I rewatched Captain Marvel because I was on a Marvel kick, and uh, yeah, kind of grow kind of grew on me the third time. You
1: know? So, <laughs> did you ever? Do you ever feel like you're not on a Marvel kick? Uh,
0: well, I haven't recently. Oh, okay. It's only, you know, i've I've been on that I've been on that Marvel kick for the last, you know, two years. So I, right. I think it's finally running out of steam here. Uh, <laughs> at least until I mean, now WandaVision has really reinvigorated it, my interest. And uh, WandaVision, the last episode, Kenny, it's not too late to get in before you know the show is already over and irrelevant. Uh, just kidding it'll never be irrelevant you should still watch it once it's all available somebody's Uh, definitely mentioned that I should watch that show I I can't I can't place it that seems unlikely yeah I don't I don't think I don't think so but then (laughs) it ends this Friday and then the next Marvel show after that starts just a couple weeks later perfect uh, okay yeah
1: I will uh, I will will put it on my calendar for like uh, maybe 2022 to start uh, WandaVision
0: Mm mm-hmm Okay, I can't believe like you live in that big house full of all of those people, so-called cool folks that you consider friends, but like none of them are at all cool because none of them watch Wandavision. Like, yeah, one of the if odds. Any of them has even heard of it? Like o for thirteen on like having <laughs> anyone cool in that house. That's just, it's that sad. is impressive. That's, that's crazy. That's, cra- that's
1: a crazy stat. <laughs> I know. All right, what's on hacker news? Okay, well. To start things off, a follow-up story of our ongoing series on SolarWinds, which, once again, Microsoft called the biggest hack of all time. The SolarWinds CEO is blaming an intern for the password leak. This is a real CNN headline. Former SolarWinds CEO blames intern for the password leak. SolarWinds123. Wow. That is a bold strategy. Good for it them. really, it really, he, he doesn't have the little, um, desk, the paperweight on his desk that says the buck stops here. He does not own that paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> he owns the, uh, deflect blame to the interns. Right. Sticker. <laughs>
0: And this 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 uh bug was like no one knew about it for years, right? So this intern was an intern in like twenty fourteen or something. Yeah, they're like already like, like that. yeah, they're just like a high, you know, a senior software engineer so- somewhere now. And this guy's like, oh yeah, you know what? Let's uh let's throw them under the bus. They'll be fine. <laughs> I assume they're not naming names but uh, uh,
1: no. it does not sound like it but in in a in a joint hearing at the the House Oversight Committee a congresswoman had said the quote i've got a stronger password than solarwinds 123 to stop my kids from watching too much youtube on their ipad
0: <laughs> <laughs> love it when congress people have some uh, sass yeah it's incredible that is wild and apparently i didn't even know this when this story was first breaking but the the password was discovered in 2019 on the public internet but this didn't really like all blow up for like over a year later. Interesting. It's, uh, I I guess the timeline is a little murky. I haven't uh, followed this closely enough. Anyway what a true disaster and looks like yeah. they've managed you know they're they're making it even more of a PR nightmare nightmare yep. for themselves. Well done Absolutely. guys. <laughs> uh, interestingly there were two stories yesterday um, that were additional riffs on the, uh, actually portable, executable thing from Justine.lol. Right. Uh, which is still like chugging, like, you know, the day after we talked about, what was it? The, uh, you know, the file, like the web server that is like, you know, built using her actually portable executable, you know, process, um, you know, like bundler system called Cosmopolitan, um. The day after that, someone else linked on HN to her original blog post, which is just called Actually Portable Executables, explaining how she does that. And, uh, you know, it actually, she built that, like, some time ago and has been, like, building different executable, you know, different universal executables, um, of, you know, of different applications. Um, and so, basically, there's another blog post by a guy I just posted yesterday where he was able to compile Lua, the programming language Lua. Uh into a universal, um, you know, uh, executable using the same methodology and explained kind of what he had to do to avoid uh, certain uh, clashes in the compiler. I didn't understand one word of this entire blog post. (laughs) Uh, But it's interesting that this, like, you know, kind of like clever way of compiling C, you know, like putting in the right command line uh, arguments and, you know, Putting in the right header bytes that is one person came up with, you know, 65 years into, you know, C- the existence of the C programming language has like really like opened some floodgates here and is like inspiring a lot of additional uh, additional projects. I think it's, uh, it's fascinating that this is happening.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sweet.
0: Uh, the second sweet. would oh, be yeah. the second project related to that is somebody making a WebAssembly uh, compiler um, also using Cosmopolitan. Um, So using Justine's methodology, and it just launched uh, yesterday and already has, well, I guess it didn't launch yesterday. They must have ported it over to Cosmopolitan, and this uh, WebAssembly compiler has 3K stars on GitHub already. So good for them. Pretty
1: good. It's a good Hmm. start. Speaking of uh, articles I didn't fully understand, there's an article about uh, Grand Theft Auto Online which has the most points i've seen in quite a while thousand plus points yeah uh and it's about how this guy figured out how to cut the loading times by 70 percent apparently this game which was released seven years ago still uh, has these ridiculously long load times for the online mode like sometimes up to like seven minutes it takes to load on the computer and without the source code he debugged by first like profiling, and then by uh, like trying to disassemble the incoming like uh, incoming code, and figured out that it's all based on like a very deep bug in how they're doing JSON parsing. Oh, geez. And yeah, <laughs> and so it's like. Uh, I guess there's a single bottleneck and it's based on the JSON parser that this game uses. And this game has made like billions of dollars. Yeah. And oh my God. everybody's waiting like seven minutes for their stuff to load on, on launch because of parsing <laughs> JSON. <laughs> parsing 10
0: megabytes of JSON on, yeah. a, on their machine. Wow. That is incredible.
1: Love a good reverse engineering uh, debugging story like this. Yeah, super impressive. He says in here that (laughs) that if somehow they find this article, it shouldn't take you more than one day for a single developer to fix the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine the number of human hours that have been wasted on this loading screen. Seven minutes times hundreds of thousands of players
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding and it's every time you open it as well every time you launch it how did it even launch if it takes seven minutes to open i don't that's that seems like a deal breaker for any game i can't yeah, imagine really. that.
1: wow did you ever play grand theft auto i've i think i maybe played it like once at a friend's house but i never had it and never no i never really got into yeah. it yeah okay that's exactly mine as well my story as well I think I played Grand Theft Auto in Vice
0: City at a friend's house when I was in like fifth grade, which I think is about the perfect age for it. Right. But at yeah. least the perfect age in terms of it's the appeal it holds,
1: but probably the worst age in terms of uh, probability of turning a fifth grader into a sociopath. Right. The psychological damage also peaks at that same time.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I've become a uh, professional car thief
1: in my, uh, you know, in my age now. Right. Well, speaking of things done in middle school, there's a really fun story about the last message sent on AIM, AOL's instant messenger, <laughs> where uh, I used AIM uh, way back in the day and it was super fun. And I remember I didn't like, I only knew a couple people who were on it and I didn't talk to anybody who I didn't know in person, but I remember like the concept of like going on to the internet as if there were periods of time where you like were not on the internet Mm -hmm. Uh, and logging on and using AIM, which shut down a few years ago. But this guy, this article, which is from, from when it shut down has resurfaced and this guy just wanted to have the last message sent on AIM. So he just wrote a little script that kept on posting messages every second the day that AIM shut down, until he received a, uh, a four hundred error, saying that the the API was gone, the service is gone. Yeah, and there is a little subplot about deciding
0: what the final message should be. He like that's right you know, was like what's the last line of the Bible, and it's like you know kind of bland, and then you know, the last line of like you know Karl Marx's book, you know, on Capital or whatever. And then he finally landed on a, uh, a quote from Star Trek, which I think is uh, fitting. From oh, interesting Leonard Nimoy's e. final tweet. Well, good for him. Yeah, this was this was really fun. Yeah, is it is it A I M? People don't say
1: aim. Oh, I never some people say. Some people say aim. I I always said AIM. Okay. But yeah, I think uh, I think both are okay. Maybe people who say aim would be upset that I say AIM. But.
0: I was going to say A-A-M. that I. You know, never used AIM because I, you know, didn't really uh, get online until like 2012. That was like, when I had my first computer. But uh, yeah, this was written in 2017. AIM kept on chugging until 2017. So I could have, I, I had my window there for five yeah, years. Yeah, you had, you had time. Yeah, that's on me. A uh, couple other things, a little more politics Boston public schools suspend their advanced learning programs. Oh my gosh. I'm
1: upset. I'm very upset at this, actually. This actually made me mad <laughs> reading. <laughs> this,
0: it's something. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> this is such a, it's such a, like, uh, tricky issue.
1: Well, because okay. It's sort of tricky. So So the reason they shut it down, right, is because of the disproportionate number of white students who were in it compared to the number right. of students. So they were they were saying that there were racial uh, problems at play with something like 80% of Boston schools being uh, black or Latino, but 70% of the, the gifted or challenge program, whatever they call it being uh, Caucasian. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like the solution there is to not just shut down all of the advanced education programs, but uh, you know, fix the racism. That would be a really good approach. I think that is technically
0: uh, what they're saying. They're saying we have a lot of, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of inequities have been brought to light. There's a lot of work we have to do in the district to be anti-racist and have policies. And I think it's, it's technically that they're shutting them down until they can resolve these issues. But yeah, I'd be surprised if they ever, if they ever come back. I I feel like these have been falling out of fashion anyway. I don't know. It's kind of just like a weird look like a tricky look where like Uh, i don't know this was there was something in that podcast that we listened to by uh oh it it was the podcast that was got cross-posted to the serial feed about education that we listened to in like october Mm -hmm. and they were talking about this kind of thing and how like i don't know white parents can just like pressure the school to let their kids in kind of thing
1: Right. Yeah. And all of of that stuff, I agree. There there are problems all over the place there. But I just like I read this and was just thinking about the students who like find school too easy, just like bored at the back of class, like losing faith in society because they like (laughs) are not getting challenged and are not learning anything and just wasting all of their days. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a... I agree. And I, I think we both probably felt that way and probably both did these
1: programs as well. Yeah, exactly. And definitely got value and, out of them. Right. And, uh, and even though they weren't like great programs, it was like better than like sitting there reviewing the same stuff that you've heard a million times. And yeah. this is like, they're recommending a one year hiatus. Like that's, that's just like a whole year, like, <laughs> of like, lost potential. I don't know. It drives me nuts. But yes, yeah. obviously they were they had a big issue in the first place with their with how they yeah. were doing this. But
0: I mean it's uh, a drop in the bucket. Education. Yeah. I mean I feel like this entire all of COVID is just like a lost year for education. That's like, a great point. Yes, you're right. It's just is a drop in the bucket. True. That's true. Uh I wanted to talk quickly about this uh article, Not Lisp Again, that resurfaced yesterday. Feel like we're obliged to do this as MIT students, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it's an article that was written in two thousand nine originally about someone's experience taking their first computer science course at MIT. Uh, I guess I think this person was maybe like taking like cross registered. He was a Harvard student uh, that cross registered to take this class with Hal Abelson uh, on Lisp Ooh, at MIT, okay. and uh, he's basically like explains how like he was like really annoyed to be learning lisp again because like he took a class at harvard uh that talked about lisp and like they don't just use like a bunch of you know dumb toy examples uh and like you know he thought it was just like this kind of like cutesy language for doing uh you know like that didn't care about performance or you know power <laughs> or anything and couldn't really do anything different uh you know from a c-based language and then he just kind of explains like you know, how Hal Abelson put up, like, the classic, like, recursive factorial program on the whiteboard uh, and was like, and, you know, look how, like, this substitutes through, you know, like, we're able to convert this to, like, uh, soon, you know, break down the problem into smaller problems. And the guy's just like, great, this is just going to be the same thing again. And then Hal Abelson is like, this is actually uh, really inefficient, so never do this. And then the guy, like, perks up and then explains, like, how the MIT class on LISP uh you know was like a lot more performance centric and also explained how to do like tail call optimization to you know rewrite the factorial problem uh using an iterative process instead of a recursive one and uh <clears throat> how that solves all these performance issues and it's really just like total lisp MIT masturbatory fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what can I say? It's a great blog post that, and it's surfaced uh, several times. I'd read it before. I can't, you know, years ago, I believe. Um, so this pops up on HN, you know, every so often and, uh, it's worth a read.
1: Nice. I just recommended to a current MIT student to, uh, take that class. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. uh I said, be sure to take it with friends. <laughs> i yeah. this was Sussman's class is the one I, um, yeah, recommended you take. yeah. yeah.
0: Right, because Habelson's not around and they're not doing uh six triple or they're not doing a uh, what six double O one anymore. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame. It's a crying shame. All right. Well, on that
1: note, we are
0: out of time. See you fuzzy.